Welcome to the Chapman CG podcast series, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. I'm Paul Jury, a Managing Director with Chapman CG, and we're here to talk about the importance of building an organizational culture of flexibility to support diversity and well-being. I'm here today with Ben Morris, co-head of HR at Mervac, who has introduced an award-winning flexibility program across his organization. Hi and welcome, Ben. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Paul. Delighted to be here. Ben, it's actually great to pick up on one of the key themes that we discussed at the HR Roundtable, Mervac co-hosted with Chapman CG. Absolutely. Certainly a lot of interest in that Roundtable, PJ, so looking forward to discussing it in more detail today. Ben, before we get started, please tell us a little about your role and the work you do at Mervac. Sure. So I'm the co-head of HR for Mervac Group. For those people that don't know Mervac, we're an Australian-owned, Australian-listed company. We're one of the top 40 companies on the Australian Stock Exchange. And as a property company, our purpose is to reimagine urban life. Uh, we play right across the various segments of the property sector. Uh, we have a very well-regarded residential business, houses, apartments and land. Uh, we have a very successful office business, which has some of the most premium office buildings in the country. We have a portfolio of industrial and logistics assets. Uh, they're the sheds that people like Amazon are, are renting. Uh, and of course, we have some of Australia's best known retail assets as well. One of the things that differentiates uh, Mervac is our ability to add value right throughout the property value chain. And so where some developers, for example, develop but don't build, some builders might build but not develop, or some asset owners might do neither of those things and simply uh, own and manage assets. Uh, Mervac has the ability to create assets right from the initial development. We can design, build, uh, manage, uh, and work with capital partners in respect of those assets. PJ, one of the interesting things for me and my role, reflecting on that mix of assets and on that mix of, of what we do, is the diversity of employees that we have in order to deliver that. So we have a combination of white collar workers that are based in our offices, we've got designers, architects, we've got construction workers who are out on site, and we've got people that are managing the facilities within the office buildings, industrial assets, and the retail assets uh, that we own. Thank you, Ben, for the overview. And you have a very unique profile in that not many HR leaders have an accounting and legal background, which I know gives you uh, a real advantage around the commercial side of Mervac and also leading on the people front. Yes, I often like to tell people that I saw the light, PJ, and jumped out of my, my former lives as an accountant and as a, as a lawyer to come across to the HR world, uh, but thoroughly enjoying it. Okay, Ben. Why do you think a culture of flexibility is important to organisations and the people who work for them? I think it's important for a number of reasons. I think, first of all, if we look at the nature of work today, the nature of how we live, how we work is very different and how we live is very different to what it was 30, 40 years ago. And yet, most of how we work has its roots in the industrial revolution. Um, participation in the workforce is very different now than what it was 
um, back then. We now have equal, hopefully, participation of men and women. Responsibilities in terms of caring are very different, uh, not just caring for younger families, but also uh, caring for uh, elderly family members as well. And I think most importantly, PJ, whether we like it or not, um, there's now a blurring of the lines between work and home, largely due to technology. And so I think where, where work is something that we used to uh, come to, we used to clock on, we used to clock off, I think it's no longer a place we go to, but it's now a thing we do. And so when we reflect on the changing nature of, of work and home life, I think flexibility is key in order to make both of those things work. I think the second reason why flexibility is important is because it's what our people want. So we ask our new joiners, why did they join Mervac? Uh, they give us a range of reasons. They talk about uh, the brand and our product. They talk about uh, our culture. They talk about our sustainability and our diversity credentials. But they talk about how we work. And when we ask them, what do they mean by how we work? They often cite flexibility as one of those reasons. So people are joining Mervac because of flexibility, which tells us that it is important to them. When we then measure our employee engagement, uh, we can see that not only do our employees value flexibility, but those that have flexibility are more likely to go above and beyond. Their engagement is several percentage points above those without flexibility, and therefore their commitment, uh, their discretionary effort, and their likelihood to be great brand ambassadors for Mervac is higher because of flexibility. Uh, thirdly, I think flexibility is important in enabling and supporting our diversity and inclusion strategy because without flexibility, we can't provide the kind of diversity and inclusion that we're aspiring to. And fourthly, as a property company that aspires to be providing some of the best office uh, buildings in Australia, uh, our clients have progressive aspirations in respect of flexibility with their own workforces. And so if Mervac is to provide a great employee experience for our clients, for their workforces, we need to practice what we preach and embed flexibility within our own workforce as well. It's good to hear some of the specifics um, in the Mervac situation, Ben. From a business case perspective, or perhaps some of the reasons why you decided to introduce this new culture, it'd be great to hear you elaborate on that. PJ, I think there's two clear reasons why we needed to drive flexibility. Uh, the first one was that we had uh, big ambitions in respect of our, our DNI strategy. And in order to execute that, we needed to embrace flexibility. And the second reason was around employee engagement. Uh, I'm delighted to tell you that for the second year in a row, Mervac has employee engagement of 90%. Uh, we use Willis Towers Watson as our provider, and at 90%, that's above the global high-performing norm. So there's something special happening. We've got strong results in terms of our people's understanding of our strategy, our purpose. We've got strong results in respect of values. Uh, and we also have strong results in terms of our employees benefiting from flexibility. But PJ, it wasn't always like that. And coming out of the GFC, uh, Mervac had engagement scores uh, only as far back as 2012 that were in the mid-30s. And so you really need to go back to 2012 to understand 
why we embarked on this journey in respect of flexibility. And so if we start with the principles around engagement, that what we do know is that those companies with higher engagement, uh, on average, they've got three times higher profit margins, they've got less, less incidents, they've got less absenteeism, and uh, they're able to attract and retain a broader cohort of employees. But at 37%, we need to fix it. And so we dug into the organisation to work out where were the pockets of excellence. So what were those teams doing that were highly engaged so we could learn from that and roll that out across the broader organisation? There were three clear themes for us. One, we needed to focus on building great leaders. Two, we needed to focus on career development and learning. And three, we needed to change how we worked and specifically, we needed to embed greater flexibility. And that was really the start of this journey. We wanted to shift the focus from uh, presenteeism to being about output, and we wanted to embed flexibility to make people uh, be able to thrive uh, in their work environment. We know Mervac has been successful and the results are impressive. They're working for both your office-based employees as well as construction workers and the other field-based employees. Ben, how did you go about developing and evolving the program? Well, PJ, as I said in the introductory comments, we've got quite a diverse workforce. We've got white-collar workers based in offices. We've got facilities people based in office buildings and in our retail assets. And we've got people based in our construction sites. And whilst conventional wisdom might suggest that you might embrace flexibility and drive it initially in your white-collar office-based workers, we took the opposite view. And we thought that construction is a very traditional uh, segment of our workforce, and we thought if we can make it work there, then we can really make it work anywhere. And so uh, we embarked on a number of initiatives uh, supported by a broader strategy that looked at people, process, and place, which I can talk about in a moment. But what I thought I might do is just talk about three of the specific initiatives that we rolled out in the construction business that really helped us drive the desired change. The first of those initiatives was something called the Equilibrium Man Challenge. The Equilibrium Challenge followed uh, the lives of seven or eight men who wanted flexibility to make home and work and social life work better, but didn't have flexibility. And so we followed these men around uh, with cameras and initially, the question was, what does flexibility look like to them? What's important to them? And how can we go about that? Um, Mervac had two employees uh, in the Equilibrium Man Challenge, along with a, a large telco and a large law firm. Uh, and one of those employees from Mervac was a site foreman. And his dad was also in the construction industry. And for this employee, he wanted to break the cycle of absentee fathers. Fathers who worked very long hours on construction sites, worked a lot of overtime, often worked on weekends, and frankly, missed out watching their kids grow up. And so that was his flexibility challenge. And so the documentary, documentary followed uh, his journey as he had conversations with uh, his manager and his team about what flexibility could look like for him and the success achieved through that. The other Mervac employee was Tom. Tom was an aspiring professional volleyball player. And his challenge was how does he hone a successful professional career as well as a successful sporting career? And of course, he needed flexibility to be able to make training. And what I love about this particular initiative 
is that, first of all, it mainstreams flexibility. It makes it so that it's not just about working mums, and also it, it, it makes it so that it's also about men. Uh, and thirdly, it's not just about families. It could be anything to do with making work and life work better. The second initiative was a series of workshops that we did that were really quite fun and creative, and we got actors in to help these construction workers understand what the conversation might look like from a flexibility before. Because of course, PJ, for you and me in our, in our roles and in our careers, uh, flexibility is probably a fairly normal thing, uh, but it was quite an alien concept for these construction workers. And so through these fun sessions, we're able to demonstrate to them that a conversation about flexibility isn't nearly as scary as what it might seem, but also give managers some tools and tips on how to have that conversation with their employees and with their teams. And the third initiative, PJ, and this is absolutely my, my favourite, is an initiative called My Simple Thing, uh, which has gone on to be an award-winning program. And what My Simple Thing does is it asks employees to think about what is that one thing that if we can make it work or make it work better, will make the world of difference to how work and family and home life fit together. What is that one thing? And what I love about My Simple Thing is it starts a conversation because at the heart of flexibility, it's not about a policy, it's not about a contract saying that a role can be flexible, it's about having an authentic conversation between a team, a manager, an employee about what flexibility means to them and how they can embrace flexibility. Thank you, Ben, for sharing those real and practical and inspirational examples. In terms of the overall program, are there any other key elements that make it work? So PJ, there are three examples of initiatives within the construction business, but of course that sat under a broader strategy that we called Transforming the Way We Work. And at the heart of our Transforming the Way We Work strategy was a focus on, on what we call the three Ps, people, place and process because it's no good just telling people that they can have a conversation about flexibility unless it genuinely is supported by a culture that supports flexibility, leaders who can help their employees to embrace flexibility, as well as processes, physical place and technology that can all support flexibility. I think one of the key things for us was the rolling out of what we call our flexibility charter. And I think that this stands out to me because it sets out principles for teams to follow as opposed to black and white rules about what is or is not acceptable. And so in our flexibility charter, um, first of all, we talk about uh, two types of flexibility. We talk about both formal flexibility and informal flexibility. Formal flexibility is where there might be a documented um, pre-agreed series of days, hours or working patterns where informal flexibility is the kind of flexibility that, that, that most employees uh, like to embrace, which is the uh, occasional day working from home, it might be the reduced hours on a particular day, uh, or it might be working from some other location. Uh, the second concept that we talk about is, in addition to flexibility in time, we talk about um, flexibility of time, place, and careers. We want to recognise that flexibility really means different things to different people at different stages of their life and at different stages of their career. When we rolled out the flexibility charter, 
we made it really clear that it's a principles-based approach and I think we empowered people to have a conversation. And we also empowered them to say, no. We empowered them to say, this doesn't work, either for our team or for our customer or for the business. And I think that's really important. At the heart of our flexibility charter are a series of principles. And these guide managers and employees and teams as to what flexibility looks like and helps facilitate a conversation about flexibility. So some of the principles, for example, are that we have a choice in where, when, and how people work, supporting individual and business needs. We communicate regularly on expected outputs and timeframes to allow greater freedom on how we deliver. We utilize technology first and foremost to connect, collaborate, and communicate. We work in a shared environment, and we adjust our actions and behaviors so we don't impact on others. We empower and encourage each other to challenge behaviours that aren't in the spirit of flexible working. We don't judge when people come and go, which PJ is incredibly important if you're going to build a culture of flexibility. We like to say no eyebrow raising. And lastly, we aim to model flexibility for our people, our communities and our customers. And I think these principles have really helped managers and employees to work out what flexibility means to each individual, but it's also empowered those teams to make sure that the flexibility works in the best interests of the business and our customers. Ben, thanks for outlining the, uh, the key elements, the charter and the principles. So fast forwarding fast to forward. now, what have been the main benefits of your new flexible working approach and, and also how have you measured the impact? Well, if you go back to where I started, PJ, we've now got an engagement score of 90% for the second year running, and that's gone up from 37% back in 2012. And what we know is that in 2012, we really didn't have any flexibility in our workforce. We had about one in five people saying that they had some form of flexibility, and we've now got about three in every four people that say they've got some form of flexibility, whether it be formal or informal. And so at the outset, what we do know is we've managed to embed flexibility into the way we work. I think more importantly, though, the question is, how has that actually contributed to business success or how has that contributed to our broader people strategy? And what we know when we ask people why they join is that flexibility and how we work is one of the key reasons why people are joining Mervac today. We know from our engagement survey results that those people with flexibility are more engaged, more likely to go above and beyond, and therefore more likely to exert discretionary effort and be great brand ambassadors for Mervac. And thirdly, what we know is that flexibility has been a key enabler of our diversity and inclusion strategy. Uh, we've now received the Workplace Gender Equality Agency citation for the fifth year in a row. And as you know, the bar is getting higher and higher for that citation every year. And we believe that our flexibility strategy is a key enabler of that. We also know that uh, flexibility has enabled us to meet our very high aspirations in respect of women in senior management uh, and has enabled us to ensure things like a zero like-for-like -like pay gap uh, for the third and I think soon to be fourth year in a row. I think from a market point of view, PJ, we've been delighted to see that the work we've done in flexibility 
including our initiative My Simple Thing, has been recognised by the Australian HR Institute and is now uh, an award-winning program. It's great to hear about the recognition and the achievements. What lessons have you learned and what advice would you give to other organisations looking to implement a more flexible working culture? Well, we've certainly learned lots of lessons, PJ, and when we first started on this journey, uh, we didn't get everything right. And so my, my first tip would be um, iterate as you go, be brave, experiment, but keep your finger on the pulse and be prepared to, to change things if they're not working in your organisation. I'd also say be wary of the inflexibility trap because what I've often seen is that people try and drive flexibility through a series of policies and initiatives that are actually quite prescriptive. And so the approach Mervac has tried to take is very much a, a principle or a conversations-based approach. But if you're too prescriptive or have policies that are too detailed about, about what you can do or can't do, then in my mind, your flexibility strategy can very quickly turn into an inflexibility strategy. So just be really wary of that. The next thing I'd say is keep it simple. I think often we have a tendency as HR practitioners to over-engineer the strategy and over-engineer over the execution of that strategy. Where what we've found worked really, really well is focus on a smaller number of initiatives, do them simply, but do them really, really well. And I think My Simple Thing is a really great example of that. It's important in driving a culture of flexibility that it's leader-led and role-modelled. Uh, in our flexibility charter, we talk about not having judgment about when people come and go. And as soon as your leaders start making uh, jokes, uh, as soon as they start raising eyebrows or making comments uh, when people might come and go at different times of the day, that will undo all the great work you've done in trying to drive a culture of flexibility. And so keep on top of that and make sure that your leaders are part of that change. And talking about change, uh, this is much of a cultural change about shifting from a culture of presenteeism to a culture of output as it is about enabling that change through people, process and place. And so don't overlook the challenges in driving any form of cultural change and make sure you've got a plan to manage that over quite a long period of time. Thanks for those uh, uh, insights, Ben, the advice and the lessons. Just thinking about your sector at the moment, universally, it's facing some, you know, some fairly uh, strong headwinds. How does flexibility assist you to navigate those changes in direction? Well, PJ, indeed it is. And so for the Australian people listening to this podcast, uh, they will know that you can't pick up a newspaper at the moment without reading particularly about the residential market in Australia, uh, but also about the retail market and the challenge that, challenges that traditional landlords have from retail uh, disruptors such as Amazon. Uh, and so for your overseas uh, listeners, uh, that context is really important. Um, I think for us, um, fundamentally, we need to make sure that throughout the property cycle, uh, that we have people that are committed to our, our purpose to reimagine urban life, that they understand our strategy, including through all parts of the cycle, and that we continue to live our Mervac values through that uh, cycle. Uh, one of the things that, that we now know from our investors is that they see our, our culture, 
how we work as a key source of competitive advantage. And so it's important to us that right throughout uh, that cycle uh, and through those headwinds that you mentioned, that we maintain that culture. And so from, from our point of view, uh, a, a culture of, of flexibility, a culture that embraces and enables diversity is just as important through this next part of the property cycle uh, as what it was as the, as the cycle was on its way up. And so certainly for Mervac, we're going to continue uh, to be very passionate supporters of uh, flexibility and diversity in our workplace. More broadly, we've talked a lot about culture. And of course, in Australia, it's also very topical. We've, you know, we've got the findings from the Royal Commission flowing through the whole issues around people, the profits. Then, do you have any additional insights to share um, as you think about some of these challenges in the market? You're right, PJ, absolutely topical, and not just for those companies in the financial services sector, but for all, for all companies. And I think that there are some key learnings from the Royal Commission. Uh, and from the broader broader market sentiment. Uh, and, and one of those is that um, we need a culture where people are safe to speak up. We need a culture where we do the right thing. And I think that uh, organisations where their people um, passionately understand what the organisational strategy is, where they believe in what the purpose is, and where there are strong values around doing the right thing are going to be those organisations that um, thrive in the current market. I think one of the things coming out of the Royal Commission is in particular the need for boards and leaders to measure culture, that is understand what the current culture is to define the aspirational culture and also then to set uh, the organisation on a path uh, to close whatever those gaps are. And I'm very pleased to say that Mervac has been on this journey for some time. And so I've mentioned our purpose, which is to reimagine urban life. And that came out of a process of engaging with employees several years ago now. We had uh, clarified what our strategy is, and then we said, so we've got a clear strategy now, but, but let's just check in about, so why are we here? And when we ask people that, you know, why are we here? What are our purpose? What are we passionate about? That's where Reimagine Urban Life was born. Having then clarified our purpose to Reimagine Urban Life, we then embarked on a process to say, what does Mervac need to look like? How do we need to behave in order to deliver on Reimagine Urban Life? And through that, we articulated a series of values and behaviours uh, one of which is doing the right thing. And so I think that in this post-Royal Commission world, there's going to be more time spent, as there should be, on, on culture. What is it? What do we want it to be and how do we get there? And more time spent on understanding the values and behaviours of people in our organisations. You've covered some big topics there, Ben, and it might be a podcast for another time. Um, I certainly recall your CEO, uh, Murdoch and Chapman CG, have both jointly been involved and participate at 100% human at work. And I've certainly heard your CEO talk about being a force for good and profits, and that's how sustainable success is being driven at Mervac. And that was Ben Morris, co-head of HR at Mervac, discussing a culture of flexibility and the positive impact it can have on both employees and the benefits for the organisation. Thanks for having me, PJ. Thanks, Ben. Continued success.
For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, subscribe to our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.